I am here joined by the one and only Ted Drake, Accessibility Inclusive Design Lead for Intuit. Did I, did I get that right? I'm sure there's a few other words in there. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Intuit. How is it structured? How is the accessibility team structured? Because you guys, like I said, are unique in the way that you're doing it. And I love how it's organized. You've given talks at CSUN. You've given talks, uh, uh, other webinars about how it's organized. Can you give us a very high level on that just so we can start the conversation? Sure. And I'll also say that I have a unique position at Intuit. One of my managers, one of my big uh, mentors at Yahoo, um, she moved into and she became the head of the chief technology officer, the, the core technology. And so I came to her and I said, I know that Intuit could use someone for accessibility. They already had a program, um, but I'm interested in coming over. So she went to the CTO and she said, let's create a position for him. And so they created a position specifically for me and they didn't have any job description. They just basically said, do whatever needs to be done. So I recognize that I have a very unique position. I've had a lot of freedom, but my position was basically to understand what were the gaps and the opportunities, understand all the products, who are all the teams. So what we've done is we started with a small team in core technology because we had to work with the engineers first. We had to fix gaps, create the automated testing and all those solutions. After we got to a good level of accessibility, then we needed to shift over to design because we can't just keep patching. Right. You need to start incorporating accessibility from the very beginning. So we switched over to the Intuit design system so that we could be part of the core design team about three years ago. And now we're able to start doing those design system questions. We're able to incorporate as much as we can in the earliest stages so that designs are going to engineers with keyboard accessibility, with headings, with tab orders, reading orders, uh, descriptive text. And that's reducing uh, the bugs we have to fix later on. So we have a small team that's within the design system team. We have an employee resource group for abilities. We also have an employee resource group for uh, people over 50, our silver group. Uh, we have a lot of private Slack channels for people, for instance, that are cancer, neurodiversity, deaf, hard of hearing, things like that, where they can have their own community, but it's not indexed by Slack, mm -hmm. so they can be private. And then we have our champion program. And currently we've had 1600 people, which is about 10% of the workforce has gotten a badge. We have level two champions. We have about two dozen level two champions and they're the leaders within their teams. And we have, I think six, five level three champions and they're the global leaders. Three of those are full-time. Well, one thing that struck me as you were telling the, this, this journey, cause it really was a journey. It didn't happen overnight. Right, I, a, a lot of a, a lot of accessibility professionals, a lot of consultants, a lot of subject matter experts, we are quite frustrated at the speed of which sometimes the implementation of accessibility or acceptance or groundswell, whatever you might call it, acts. And from when I hear your story, uh, I, I didn't understand, uh, catch how many years. Maybe you didn't say it. Like how long was this journey from when you started and started to build this groundswell to where you are now? G give me a rough timeline of of, of how long that took. I've been at Intuit for, I think, 11 years now, and the Champion program launched five years ago. So so this wasn't an overnight thing. And how do you manage those expectations of, uh, we want to get here, we're not there now, and still there's, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't get yes, 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 all the way through. It wasn't just people throwing money at you and saying, go ahead and do all this stuff, right? I'm sure there was resistance along the way as well. No. Uh, I never asked for permission. Okay. Now, keep in mind that I said I had a unique position <laughs> right, at Intuit. Right. So I was able to run experiments 
the accessibility champion program was just an experiment. I thought, well, let's see if we can get a hundred people to sign okay. up for this. No budget, just simply ways of acknowledging that people were doing the work that they did. And then over the years, it's built up. The only feedback I've gotten that I had to change was we used to give a hundred dollar credit, like a spotlight to everybody that becomes a champion. And I had to cut that back because not every manager had a hundred dollars to spend mm -hmm. on each employee. Like one week, half their team would become champions. And then they're like, there goes their spotlight. Budget. Right, right. <laughs> that's the only feedback I've gotten, the only hard part on that. So, okay, let's go through this program. So you've got an accessibility, and this is separate from an ERG group, right? Uh, I think you mentioned that before. So let's go through the champions. So you've got six, 24, and then a large group of L1s, I guess is your first like introductory to accessibility. What qualifies as an L1? How do people even join the program? So we set up a simple form. Our goal with the L1 was let's let everybody, everyone should become a level mm -hmm. one. So we don't break it down by roles or anything. To become a level one, if you're not a designer or an engineer, it should take about 15 minutes. Okay. We want you to learn the basics of disability etiquette, to learn the basics of inclusive design. We want you to connect with our Slack channel or resource channel so that if you have a question, you know where to get the answers. And we want you to make a commitment to including accessibility in the future. At that stage, they get added to a Slack channel where they're now in with 900 champions. So there's a constant daily conversation yeah. going on. You know, it's so hard to ignore, even if you just wanted in there for a free badge to put on LinkedIn. And if you're a designer and engineer, we ask you to install browser plugins, VS and Figma plugins, run your first Lighthouse audit, and basically set up your computer for success for keyboard and such. Um, that kind of gets their, their set up now so that the next piece of code they write, they can test. Yep. The next design they create, they can test and they understand the workflow. And if, if they find a bug to create their first accessibility Got product. It. So it's still really simple. But you're setting people up for success. And that's kind of what I'm hearing and, and, and I love about this. We, as the industry, don't have a lot of frameworks and stability or structure to it. It's kind of just you go in and you do the good, right? That tends to be the attitude. What I'm hearing is that once, like if you become a champion, an L1 champion, then do this. Like here's your next three steps. Go install and go like get these plugins, go submit a first ticket. And these are like clear cut steps that anyone, like as soon as I become an L1 champion, I just execute on something that's already been paved before. And we don't talk about that enough, I think, in our industry, paving the way for the next advocates or the next people coming on, making it easy for the next people just to say, oh, okay, I can get that. That's so critical in creating a sustainable practice long term, right? That's going to be, that's going to like an engine that keeps running. Uh, that's the oil that we kind of put in. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind is that when you give people the tools, and the confidence and the freedom to make changes. They do stuff that a small accessibility team would never even consider. Mm -hmm. There are opportunities out there that you don't even know exist. Right. But they happen when people have the ability to connect with each other and make those changes. Right. And so you said an L2 is more like the champions of their pod. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, how the, uh, how the level up from L1 takes? For a level two champion, uh, they have to do some more online learning so that they can understand if you're a developer, you go through one training. If you're a project manager, a different one, if you're uh, support, you know, so we have dedicated information for them. But the key thing is to learn about customers because we figure if you can learn about customer empathy, you can make the strides you need. So it's do a follow me home with a customer that has a disability, mm -hmm. volunteer for a disability organization, 
create your first closed caption video, create your first audio described video, connect with a few other resources to truly understand what is a, what is customer experience and success look like. And then start doing things like lead your team on a volunteer effort. So it's like a team volunteering. We want you to do things like host workshops, start becoming the mentor and the leader so that when you become a level two champion, you're then part of a group of two dozen people. You work together on projects, but you're also the person that if someone on my team has a question, I don't know the answer, then I can go back to the other level two champions, get that answer quickly. And if I know the answer, then that's great. I can just immediately tell them, here's what you need to do, or here's the resource you need. Ah, that's so cool. And uh, what does leadership think about this, the whole program? It's been really successful, really supportive, because we're focused on personal development. And as you're developing as a leader, or as a mentor, as a better engineer, as a better designer, that's improving your work in general. Mm -hmm. Every manager I've talked to, because before someone becomes a level two or level three, we always have a conversation with management to make sure that they understand the roles and the responsibilities. Everyone's always been very uh, supportive on that because they see it's it's an opportunity of growth. Um, it's not just, I'm going to take this person away from your team for you know one day a week to do work on something that's not related. Highlighting the fact that there are personal gains to becoming a champion as well is, is once again so important critically important if we only focus on on the outside which is so valuable but there has to be a personal benefit to that as well being able to lead a team um, personal growth you mentioned something really really good there really interesting when a manager sees that an employee is willing to take on more it elevates the status i think it elevates the right. the impact and managers want to see people on their team doing more I know it's a big story. Not all organizations want to encourage their teams to to do more. Usually it's this, we have this impression of stay in your lane and don't do more. But if we take it from the stance of we're going to create better employee retention, we're going to create a more satisfied workforce. These are things that any leadership you know that I've ever met, they want, they care about that because attrition is huge right now. They're losing people, quite quitting. Um, the future of work conversations, nobody wants to lose quality employees. So I see this, I see us learning more about uh, champions networks or accessibility or putting developers, designers, testers, product owners through these uh, this training as that whole stream of we're improving our company culture, we're improving our own employee base. We're making us like more robust. We're making we're making us more um, resilient to uh, outside forces as well. And and again, having that on your resume is also like something that's really good. And I, I love talking uh, to new uh, to people who are not introduced to accessibility about that. I love talking about adding accessibility to your resume is so huge right now. And you're going to get more job opportunities to do that too. There's a lot of personal conversations that we're not having as well. Well, one other thing I'll add is that if you're new to the industry, let's say you just graduated college and you started a major tech company, you're going to be put into a bucket of new software engineers mm -hmm. and new designers. And most of the work you're going to be doing is going to be production work. You don't have a lot of opportunities to start, you know, really stretching. And we've seen a lot of level two champions come from that first and second year of software or designers because... This is an opportunity for them to show that I can become more than just a beginning totally. entry-level software engineer. Yeah. And one of the things that we also know, this was feedback we got from one of our champions, is that she would come to a senior engineer and say, this needs to be done. We need to fix this. And that senior engineer would look at her and say, well, what do you know about accessibility and such? 
So what I do is whenever anybody comes to level two champion, I publish an article on our insight, our intranet that describes this person, what they did to become a champion, their history, their journey, why, you know, their specialization. So if that person then goes back to a senior engineer and says, we need to fix this. If they search for that champion, they're going to have the answer. How cool. Because I want them to be able to feel confident to talk to senior leaders and senior managers and senior engineers and designers. But I also want them to get the respect that they deserve. And that's part of it. It is part of it. That re respect. And I'm using the word authority a lot. You know, we, we need to hold some kind of authority within an organization. And I think the way to do that, I think the way to move that forward is to, to take ownership of certain parts. You know, let me, let me own this. Let me command respect by owning this part and speaking your mind and sharing what your knowledge is. And I mean, lucky to have you as a, uh, as a leader who, who will publish things like that. What would you say to somebody who maybe doesn't have a leader? like yourself and who needs to command that authority or, or even just get respect from their senior uh, senior developer who's not listening to them about accessibility. Yeah, and the first thing I should say from the very beginning is when I talk about myself in the first person, it's not just me doing of course, this work. Yeah. I fully acknowledge, and that's one of the key things is you always have to acknowledge the work that's being done by others. I don't think that you need someone that's been in the industry for 20 years to come in and make changes. I think anybody can do that. And the way that you do it is to start being more public. You're Cam, you're incredible at branding. You know, everybody knows your brand, but you don't have to work that hard. Everybody can have a brand. You can be the person at the company that's really well known for, let's say, motion accessibility or American Sign Language or neurodiversity. And you do that by joining employee resource groups, by working with management, by engaging in activities, by publishing on your intranet wherever possible, by being on Slack and sharing articles and such. You can develop your own career goals and you can establish that. I love that. I do think it's, your, it's up to yourself to define what you want to do. And I've seen that. Sometimes that means leaving into it and taking on a leadership position at another company. Uh, which we've also seen multiple times. I remember when I was at IBM and they would they have a, a tagline, be essential, right? Be essential. Be essential for something. You want to be the guy who does chatbots really well, right? And you'll get asked, ton I, I was the accessibility guy. Every project that needed to touch a little bit on accessibility, they came to camp. And that was that was how my brand started. And I think that's, you know, that's a really great way to to put it, you know, Maybe you're the person who just loves doing video editing and you make captions like that. Man, do you think how valuable that would be to an organization who wants to dip their toe into a little bit of accessibility? Let's show you how easy it is. Just send it to Tom. Just Tom is Tom is really good at creating captions. Let's just send videos to Tom. He's going to do it. Now, of course, large organizations, privacy, there's a whole kind of slew of things that sometimes it gets in our way. But if you're known for that, if you're known for that, you create value inside the organization as that person and people will fight to keep you there as well, which means that you have a bit of authority. All right. I want to get tactical to Ted because if someone was to come and say, Ted, come and build and design our champions program at a large organization, where do you even start with that? Someone's asking you to help them build it. Where do you start? A lot of people have asked us about our champion program at Intuit. And one of the first things I say to them is you need to understand your company. What are your company's goals? Mm -hmm. At Intuit, we're very customer focused. Intuit's known for customer first research and design and such. So that was our focus was customers. And so a lot of our accessibility champion program has been based on the customer. You may have, let's say you're an airline 
you may have multiple accessibility champion programs. You may have one for the people that work on the planes. Mm -hmm. You might have one that works for the digital. You might have one that works for human resources and such, because you may have an enormous company. Absolutely. So you need to understand that. And then also what are existing programs and what kind of are your goals? For me, when, when we started the accessibility champion program, our goal was to acknowledge people that were already doing the work. Hmm. Because we had a lot of people over several years that were making changes, but they were sort of scattered. It was right. all ad hoc. And I didn't have like this list of people I could go to and say, hey, you did this in the past. Can you explain it to this person? So our first goal with the champion program was simply to acknowledge the people who are already doing work and to give them credit for it. And then it was to start educating. And then it was to also build team leaders and then eventually set up a way that someone could become uh, like a full-time accessibility expert. We did publish our accessibility champion program, um, but it talks about all the different steps, all the resources cool. we use, uh, links that you can go to. The other thing is think about metrics. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times that's one of the key things that makes a program successful is how can you show numbers? How can you show growth? So we use a really simple database solution. It's called QuickBase. Uh, it's a program that Intuit used to own. It was kind of a way for small businesses to create their own databases. But we spun it off as a separate company. I can't vouch for the accessibility of QuickBase at this point. I think it's pretty decent. But use Google Forms, use Sheets, use Excel, use Workday, use whatever you have at your company so that when people become champions, you can start going back and saying, here's how many we how many people joined this week? Here's how many people joined this year. Here's how many people joined under each manager. That helps. Like I can tell you right now, I have five people that joined this week. And after this call, I'm going to be awarding their badges. I also know that I have three people that are ready for their level two champions that I'm working on. Um, and then I can keep track of like, as people are doing the steps to become a level two, I can keep track of that. So metrics, Understanding your company's goals, understanding your gaps, um, what's important. Uh, I can tell you that our budget when we first started was nothing. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, what we gave people was a recognition with a, a badge on their profile. We gave them um, a spotlight. Now it's a non-monetary. It's just a way of saying to the manager and the employee, congratulations for getting this badge. Mm -hmm. We gave them stickers. Cool. And uh, stickers are cheap. Stickers are cheap, yeah. Now... You said at the very beginning, you have $0, which let's be honest, is probably the situation for 99% of the people out there who are running their own solo practice accessibility advocacy within the organization. But what you said there costs $0. Learning about your organization has got to be the first step. And it's got to be more than just my boss doesn't care. You talked about goals and objectives that the organization has. I love looking at those uh, like DEI pages, or I love looking at corporate uh, investor relations pages as well. Those are really good for getting data and facts and figures and stories. Like what, what does the company prioritize for next quarter? Like, you know, if you can start to talk towards those goals, then your boss, your leadership team, the directors and stakeholders, like all these people will naturally fall in line because that's what they're hearing at their level from the top down. Uh, so learning about the organization. Now, what do you think that shows leadership when you show them metrics around how many people have joined the organization? Uh, excuse me, joined the champions program. So our champion program was based on something that was done earlier. Mm -hmm. It was the uh, Intuit Pride Network. 
and there were there was a lot of legislation going on about gay marriage uh, inequality. So they created a pride badge, which they wanted people to be able to take the pride, watch a pride video about what it means to be LGBTQ mm-hmm. and become an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what kind of inspired a little bit of the champion program, the simple formats and stuff like that. But to be able to show uh, 1,600 people, which is approximately 10% of the people at Intuit have completed a badge, mm-hmm. that just goes to show that this is something important. That's so cool. The other thing is that the conversations have completely changed. I'm no longer going into a meeting and saying accessibility means people being able to use our products. It doesn't mean that the doors are locked. It doesn't mean that the servers are down. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be I always had to describe what accessibility means. Right. Now I can go into meetings and we're talking about complex parts of accessibility, like readability, keyboard navigation, data visualization, ARIA roles and attributes. It's no longer the beginning because the basics of accessibility are being discussed by all the champions. So cool. Have you discussed sonification yet for charts? Yes. In fact, one of our level two champions did a lot of research on sonification of charts and he led a project for Mint and Mint iOS was one of the first big apps to uh, launch with Swift UI's sonification. Oh, no way. I guess so if you're using it for iOS, you can go in there and you can listen to your, your budgets and everything. So cool. He's now over at Apple. Oh, wow. <laughs> sonification, for anyone who doesn't know, is just audibly being able to listen to things like charts. It was developed initially by NASA, if I remember correctly, because there was a blind astronomer who wanted to listen to graphs and like radio waves so it was initially developed by them trickled down kind of throughout everywhere and now people are looking at how to implement it on things like doc charts yeah yeah there's been a lot of development on sonification bloomberg worked with yahoo yeah. on it because there were stock brokers that needed to be able to hear when there was a, a quick uh, jump in something we also brought in brandon biggs who is getting his doctorate in sonification, Georgia Institute of Technology. Brandon Biggs is also a QuickBooks customer and he works with uh, Smith Kettlewell Eye Institute. But anyways, he came in and did a lunch and learn about data sonification, which was attended by Ryan, who is, became level two and then did that mint release. So cool, that's really cool. So it's, all, it's like a circle of development. We develop each other. Yeah. Uh- Ted, I feel like you and I could be chatting about this all day long because I think it's so interesting, like hearing and understanding people who've gone through it. And I think the big takeaway for me is definitely this wasn't an overnight thing. I think that our expectations, sometimes we join an organization or we've been told no so many times that we're kind of like being pushed down and I'm just going to give up on accessibility because it's not worth it. People keep saying no to me. Whereas if I understand the tactics and trying things a different way and understand the organization and thinking about it as a leader instead of just somebody who's trying to trying to push and wedge their way into something, right? Let's work with our leadership teams in ways that maybe we're not comfortable or we're not used to and try to incorporate in a different way. I get that from you. And I think that's that's really excellent. Ted, thanks for all your work and Intuit's work and your team's work, I think, in the industry. I think it's just wonderful to hear and learn from you. Ken, let me give two other points before we go to questions or anything like that. One is that the champion program has not saved us any time. Mm. Um, so that's one thing that people need to know is creating an accessibility champion program is not going to mean that you can spend 25% less on accessibility. What it means is that I'm spending less time on the basics. Right. And I'm spending more time on the global issues, the design issues, the uh, working with leadership and stuff. 
So having a champion program, and I also spend a lot of time coaching and mentoring and working with our champions. So don't think about it as a time saving. Think about it as being more efficient and multiplying your effort. And the other is um, if you're interested in joining or starting a champion program on LinkedIn, there's a group called the Champions of Accessibility Network. Mm -hmm. And it's a group of companies that have champion networks. Uh, It was co-founded by the BBC, Skyscanner, uh, Intuit, and a bunch of other companies. And some of these companies are the ones that I went to and said, we're thinking of doing a network. What are you doing? Right. Uh, How are you basing it on? So cool. One thing that you mentioned earlier, you know, it really sounds like there's almost like a tipping point going back to when you talked about leadership. And, you know, at one point you, you had to go in and say, yes, this is accessibility. This is what every conversation has to start like that. All of a sudden, when you have, you said 1600 members, right? All over. When you have 1600 members, 10% of the company, there's a, there's a tip that happens and no longer is it just this thing that, you know, one guy's doing over there. All of a sudden it becomes the conversation. It becomes the norm. It becomes normalized. Ted, why is this important to you? I kind of always go back to the fact that I was, uh, I'm an old punk rocker going back to the eighties. And so for me, it's always been about, you know, the underdog and it's the DIY do it yourself mentality. When you see a problem, you fix it. When you see an opportunity for others to grow, you take that. For me with accessibility, it's always been about, uh, there are challenges out there that I still want to solve. I never get bored because every day there's something different. And every day I see progress in others. Getting to know the customers, getting to know the communities, that's that's where it really matters for me. 